Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm doing better and getting stronger every day. How are you? Oh, that's good to hear. Um, yeah, it's uh, really 
smoky where I live right now, and the fires are really close to Eugene, a lot closer than they've ever been. So we're all kind of on high alert right now. Um, we had some high winds, and uh, some of the communities outside of town have burned up. So it's really, it's really kind time. of a scary time right now. And yeah, so we're just uh, holding tight and. There's really no place to go. We were, like, talking about that before I got on the radio. It's like we just have to see what happens. It's like every place is on – everywhere is on fire all around us right now. So it would be – if they do evacuate, it's like, where do we go? Right. <laughs> you know? Wow. hmm Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Would you we'll literally see, have I to mean, – would you literally have to be taken out by air? Um – that would be a possibility. It would be a possibility to go to some water. I live by a river. It just, it just depends. We live in a valley, so uh, if it did start right. burning, I mean, I don't know. My friend's really worried about it right now, but she's with my kids. She lives close to me, and, um, yeah, so I. she was like, are you sure you want to do the radio show tonight? And I was like, I'm just going to go do it and see, you know, if there's nothing that I can do right now except for just, Wait, wait it out. We can just wait it out. So, yes, that's always my take mm-hmm. on it too. Mm-hmm. You know, if if there's no effective action that I can take, I might as well do my practice. Yeah, yeah. I might as well do the the ordinary thing with awareness and intention, and um, know that that's the. That's all there is, is this moment right now. And um, as you said, there's nothing much you can do um, about the fire. Yeah, the fire. What can Ooh. be done is, is being done. Mm-hmm. And our thanks and blessings on all of those who are there working um, to put out the fire, to push the fire back to delay the fire to break the fire yeah i just yeah feeling very thankful for all the people in my life also who support me and are there for me and the just the continuing uh, flow of beautiful cards and letters and gifts coming from near and far and um, kind and beautiful and loving words from people, and that's how I'm growing better and stronger every day. And so thank you. Thank you. At the very beginning of this, a couple of months ago, um, when I shared my story, I said I wasn't going to send personal thank yous. I do, again, you know, want to it. Um, every card, every letter, every thought um, is touching and nourishing and makes me smile. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure you get a lot of stuff in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, Sarah Ellen sent me lots and lots and lots and lots, and lots of stickers. Hmm. Yeah, you always I'm, you remember your sticker collection. <laughs> I am your girl. That was a perfect thing to send me small light. And uh, wonderful. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, shall we... Um, Um, what's new here? What's What's new here is that I was supposed to be going out west. Along about this time, I was going to be packing to go out west. First, to go to the Goddess Conference with Jujan Budapest in the Red Woods, and then to go up to Eagle Songs uh, Pacific Women's Herbal Conference. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, because these are COVID days, and we're not traveling, and people are not gathering in that way. So Shujana Budapest Goddess Festival is virtual, and I know it's now open for enrollment, and that there's a limited enrollment, and that's pretty inexpensive. I think it was $50 for the whole thing. And of course, all of the teachers have contributed. Um, I don't know what the other teachers have contributed, whether it's just a single class um, or a course. I have contributed a course on trees. And I think it's about 20 or 25 videos long. Um, some of which was uh, videoed when I did the uh, workshop on trees this spring. Then the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference, I was going to do an intensive and a keynote, and I'll be doing the intensive again by way of wisewomenschool.com and my course, um, A Cancer Diagnosis, Help Yourself the Wise Woman Way. And that was the name of my intensive that I was doing. And, of course, the intensive would only be four hours, and the course is, I think, eight to ten hours worth of videos. And when you enroll in my intensive and the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference, you get access to my course as part of that. So... It's like getting the course for half price. There is, I think, no particular limit on the number of women who can come. And I'm also going to be doing a Zoom keynote address. I've never done that. I'm not sure how that's going to work. And I'm really looking forward to it. Not as much as I would have looked forward to flying out there and engaging with everybody and being heart-to-heart and eye-to-eye and palm-to-palm. Uh, but here we are in COVID days, so I will embrace all of my sisters, my witchy sisters, my green sisters, all of my West Coast sisters virtually. Mm-hmm. And I guess I won't have to inhale any smoke to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because even down there where she, I mean, there is some fires just raging down where Shijana in the That's northern right. California is just making its way up here, and now Washington yep. State as well. Yep. So the whole West Coast is on fire, basically. Mm. Out there, though, no fires, huh? Where you cool. live? Cool. Cool. Wet. Rainy. Wow. Hmm. 
hurricanes, heavy rains, winds. Mm-hmm. But no, no. As a matter of fact, when I first started living here in the late 1960s, there were fire towers, and the fire towers um, had well, they were manned because, in fact, all the jobs went to men um, to look for lightning strikes. But the lightning strikes so rarely spread or caused any real forest fire problem that the towers were abandoned. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So even though we have our share of careless campers and lightning strikes, um, it doesn't do the same thing here. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, yeah, um, we. I, I wanted to mention our guest because I've been. I don't know her personally, but I have seen her on social media for a number of years, and I love to follow her on there. And she puts out so much good content and like educational little videos and stuff like that. And uh, Brigid Doherty, and she's she's really cool. So if you have a chance to check out the Solidago School of Herbalism on. Um, Instagram. She posts a lot on there. That's where I see her. She's a she's a really cool lady. Yes, I am so excited that at nine o'clock tonight, Bridget Doherty is going to be with us. I don't know how we're going to cram her wealth of knowledge and all of the marvelous things she does into half an hour, but we're going to do our best. So, stay with us until nine o'clock, or come back around at nine o'clock and. You will be thrilled and enchanted by Prigatorti, herbalist mm-hmm. in the wise woman tradition. Yeah, so she was she a, a, a princess of yours too? Yes. Nice. Very cool. Um, so we just have a couple people queued up with questions. If you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to ask your question, and we'll go to our first caller here in the 845 area code. Is that me? It is. Oh, hi. Hi, Susan. Hi. It's um, uh, Debbie calling. Um, I'm sorry to hear that you um, are not not feeling well. Oh, did I say that? I, maybe I misunderstood. I hope I did. I'm feeling superb. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I misunderstood then. I'm really happy to hear that. Good. Good, and, good. And I about, hope the, about, the fire about three, months, about three months ago, the middle of May, I was in surgery for 17 hours and then in a coma for 13 hours. Oh, my God. Oh, no. But I've never been ill Oh, my God. And I am recovering um, from that and getting stronger and better every day. All right. Very good. I'm glad to hear that then. Yes. Me too. And completely cancer-free. Excellent. They're not even bothering us with follow-ups. I'm good for another 25 years. All right. All right. So, what can I help you with tonight? Okay. Well, it's um, no almost fall, and I'm starting to think about besides um, COVID-19 um, flus and colds, and I wanted to know if your suggestions, as I, you know, I've read in all your books, 
still um, stands or if you have something else that you might suggest because of our situation. Um, so what what I had been following is taking um, St. John's wort tincture. If you feel like you're exposed to some kind of a, a bacteria or virus, and then if you become ill, to take um, echinacea tincture. Do, is, do you, would you still suggest doing that? Those are certainly wonderful responses. There's nothing wrong with those. They can be very effective, and you won't hurt yourself at all. At wisewomanschool.com, you will find a free course on the best herbs for preventing and dealing with COVID. Okay. So, um, Prentice, who's staying with me now, has been making mullen milk for us. And I think that mullen is one of the stars of the COVID days. Because mullen is antibacterial and antiviral. It's protective of the lungs. Mm-hmm. And um, it's easy to make as an infusion, an ounce of dried mullen in a quart jar filled at the top of the boiling water, tightly lidded and allowed to steep overnight. And when you strain the mullen, do strain it through a piece of cloth because it's hairy and you don't want those hairs in your brew. Oh, and okay. I I did get some, and I didn't know that, and I think I was swallowing the hairs. Yes, they're most unpleasant. So do strain it through a cloth. Like a cheesecloth or something. Yeah, well, actually, cheesecloth is very open and porous. I used to use my mom's linen napkins because they're so tightly woven. Oh, okay. And yeah. would you would you use that? How uh, frequently during this the uh, season? Now, to consume it, you want to mix the mullen half and half with milk. So your quart of mullen infusion, you're going to add a quart of milk. It's usually drunk warm with a little honey. Mm-hmm. And you can drink it anywhere from three times a week to every day. Okay. I guess if you got, if you, um, um, came down with with um, a virus, you, then you would take it every day. And there's a whole course at wisewomenschool.com with quite a few herbs besides I have, I have I have to listen to it again. I, I've listened to it a few times. Also, when I was looking up your well, phone number well, tonight. There's Bone Set, right, and Ella Campaign. And besides listening, you're looking at it, right? Because it's a series of videos. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I saw you know, on your... That's whoops, what I'm, I'm sorry. What I'm doing is drinking my nourishing herbal infusions every day. Mm-hmm. Drinking hot mullen milk when I feel moved to eating a broad and varied diet of well-cooked foods, keeping my immune system thriving by self-talk, 
that is nurturing by putting myself in environments that are non-threatening, that are safe and supportive, and by using my body physically. Mm-hmm. So those are the things I would suggest. Well, thank you. You are welcome. Dream blessings. Mm-hmm. Susan, can I ask you one more thing? Certainly. Okay. Um, there's something called a ganglion cyst that um, people get on their wrist. Do you think that comfrey um, ointment could help that? I think that you don't want to help it. I think you want to get rid of it. I think you do. And I think Humphrey can help you get rid of it. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Green blessings. Green blessings. Good night. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 603 area code. Hello, Susan. I'm I'm so happy that you're you're continuing to do well. And before I proceed with my two questions, I would like to say something to Rebecca too, if that's okay. Yes. Um, Rebecca, um, I just want you to know that I have been praying for you, and I've been wanting to um, just let you know because you you um, have been going through a lot, and I. I had to go through something similar, and I just wanted to let you know that um, you certainly have my prayer support, as I have been giving it to Susan as well. So um, my name is Rose, and I'm um, I'm very um, happy to be able to do that for for you because you did something very nice for me. Once you might remember, my name is Rose. I remember you, Rose. Yeah, and I, I you've been calling in ever since I we started the show, so I know your voice and I know who you are, and I am really appreciative of that. And yeah, times are very intense, and I yeah, I appreciate I appreciate your prayers and your love. Thank you. Yeah, and they will continue. I feel that both of you are my forever sisters, so I just wanted to let both of you know. Okay. Oh, thank Rose. you. Mm-hmm. Hugs, hugs. Uh-huh. Now, I, uh, now that I finally um, was able to do that, and thank you so much, Rebecca, for your your kind words. Um, now, um, uh, I I do have two questions, and um, the first one is, I would like to know if you have ever heard of this sensation that I'm having. The best way for me to describe it. Is I've been it's been going on for three months. It's in the it's on on my left arm, the upper part between the shoulder and the elbow, um, the outside, not the underside or the arm. You know the part that stays pretty white that usually doesn't get as much sun, but the outside part. Um, it's been going on for three months, and it's a, sen- a sensation that the best way I can describe it is, you know how it feels when um, you, heat, you hit the very tip of your el- elbow, the ulna bone, 
um, and how how you have that pe- peculiar tingling sensation. Yes. Yes. Well, this is it. It's very hard to describe, but it's like that, only more severe. Um, it's almost like a crawling feeling, as if something is crawling, or like electrical. And it reminds me of, you know, the times I have hit the so-called, what they call it, the humorous or the crazy bone. But that's the best way I can describe it. Um, So I was wondering if you have ever heard of something like that and what you could suggest for me to, um, to deal with this because it's become a concern for me. And, um, uh, I don't intend to go to get to a um, an osteopathic doctor until Friday was the first appointment that I could get. They're all on vacation at the same time. It's unbelievable, um, which is, sounds so silly to me. But I value your opinion very highly, and I wanted to ask you first. Thank you, Rez. Um, the herb that you're looking for is Hypericum perforatum. And interestingly enough, it's used both homeopathically and herbally for electrical sensations. Okay. Your description was very, very good. And hypericum hypericum can go into those nerve endings. And if those nerve endings are being disrupted, say the um, doctor says, oh, what you have is uh, shingles. Well, hypericum is going to deal with that. Or, you know, if what is said is, oh, you know, this is going to be, this is going to turn into, and I doubt it, uh, psoriasis, well, hypericum is the herb that you would want. So whatever is going on, we don't need a name for it. It doesn't really matter. It's, yeah. it's disturbing to you. It's bothering to you. And that's enough reason to use hypericum. You can put the oil on your arm directly and you can take the tincture internally. Both of them are quite harmless. If you get the oil on at least once a day, that's great. Um, If you take the tincture once in the morning and once at night, that's great. But if the sensation is bothering you at any point and you want to take more hypericum tincture, that's not a problem. The tincture, and either one, so I can't overdo. Is generally, what generally both of them. Yes, I can't overdo either one. Is what I hear you saying. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, thank you so, so much. I I will definitely tr- try that. Now, the other problem I'm having, and I might sound a little uh, shaky, is I haven't been. I've been doing very well until I did some heavy lifting um, a couple of days ago, and so I haven't slept the last two nights. Um, so I want your opinion on how I can help myself, please. Um, once again, there are no chiropractors available, and I want to do what I can do to help myself anyway. Um, um Maybe there'll be a, a chiropractor available at the end of the week, but I don't know why everybody's taking their vacations at the same time. It's it's, it's kind of sad, but anyway, what I did, um, what has been happening 
um, is um, very, I mean, extremely severe spasms that's, that are in my left derriere, my hip, the back of my neck, neck, between the shoulders, and the lower back. And you might recall, Susan and Rebecca, that I'm the one who has the... Um, for uh, the the S scoliosis, um, we believe. Um, well, a nurse, a friend of my mother's, told me um, that anyway. We believe that I was um, that it happened this damage to my spine that I've asked you about before, because a nurse, when I was a toddler, I had to be hospitalized, and I remember distinctly being thrown around and her yelling at me. I didn't know she was behind me. And I, I see it like I did yesterday with my parents' faces leaving the door, and I wanted to speak, but I wasn't able to speak, but I distinctly remember it happening. I never told my mother. I never told anybody because I didn't want her to worry, but I knew I was born to love, so I never held anything against that nurse. I didn't know she was behind me in the room when I was crying and trying to communicate to my um, mom and dad, please don't leave me. I don't want to be here alone. It's scary. Please take me home with you. I don't want to be here alone. And um, so um, um, it's possible and prop very highly likely because I remember distinctly the metal crib and how hard it was. And she was spanking me and, you know, and she, she came from behind so that that might have caused caused my scoliosis um, because it was never dealt with and nobody ever knew except that nurse and me. So, of course, I've forgiven and all that, but I just wanted to have a little bit of background because the last time uh, I've only had um, x-ray twice in my life in, in my 20s and, um, and a few months ago, and it's um, 45 degrees um, um, uh, cur- curvature at the bottom and the same with the top. So it's it's uh, no longer mild. So I always thought it was mild because that's what the surgeon told me when I went in my, he said, you know, when I went in my 30s, just, I mean, in my 20s, because um, college was so hard for me because I was constantly in pain. But I made it through. I was a successful teacher and mother and also worked part-time. And I packed onions and potatoes as a, as a teen and I, my parents had their own farming business. So I'm used to hard work, but um, I'm just telling you this because um, I overcame all that and I am a survivor and I've done extremely well. And that's how I can relate to what Rebecca is going through and, and you too, Susan, um, because I have empathy and I, and I care um, back to my problem. Um, um, so I, I overdid with the, with the lifting and, um, otherwise I was doing really, really well. Um, and, um, this was this, these severe spasms that I probably haven't had in t- like 10 years, um, this severe. So, um, I, I, I'm hoping to sleep tonight. Um, so I will, I will be better, but it was, I was just really looking to see what suggestions you could give me for these severe spasms. One of the things that was most painful when I came home after the hospital was that um, a lot of the surgery had taken place on the left side of my body and there was quite a bit of nerve damage and a lot of muscles on that side were in spasm 
and there was a lot of nerve pain that would shoot through that leg. And um, they wanted me to take really heavy-duty opioids to deal with the pain. And instead, what I did was to take CBD oil and some yes. CBD tincture because I know that those work very well for me. Um, about um, 25 milliliters of the high-strength tincture or a full dropper full of the lesser-strength tincture and maybe ten dro- uh, about 10 drops of the tincture and of the oil, about 25 milliliters of the oil or more if it's not really high potency. And because I did not want to be bothered by this pain ever in the future, I dedicated myself to at least one night, two if it took it, to preventing those muscle spasms and that nerve pain. And what that meant was that I stayed up all night long with several bottles of hypericum tincture. And I took a full dropper full every 15 minutes or when I experienced pain. Oh, my goodness. Well, the, uh, the first, okay, the first okay. night, you know, I went to sleep about dawn and slept for a couple of hours. And then the next night, I only had to do it for about two hours, and I fell asleep. Wow. And after so that? So my, my suggestion, if you're not sleeping, is don't sleep. Stay up. Take Hypericum mm-hmm. every 15 minutes and eliminate these spasms, not just for now, but for forever. Forever. Well, this one was brought on because I did some heavy lifting. And, uh, I don't know. You say forever. I, I, I hear Nonetheless, you. Nonetheless, you do not have to be punished for it. Uh, even though my spine, is, you know, the upper spine is a 40 to 45 degree curvature as, uh, well, almost 45, the upper, but, you know, I just was trying. It's it's a little less than 45, but almost, and but the bottom was was 40, is 45, and the top was like 44 something, so it's um, almost the same. So, um, but with that kind of a... Um, because, because of my scoliosis, I have always paid attention to my posture. You I do have, have scoliosis too? I have a very severe scoliosis, but does that help me in any way at all? Because I do yoga, I do Tai Chi, I do Feldenkrais work. I know about my body mechanics. I don't tell myself a story that I have a handicap. Right. right. Yes, I've been ignoring it and trying to do what I can for myself. Um, but I need to get better so I can afford this because this is a lot of money for this unfortunate CBD stuff is very expensive. So I was hoping you had something that I could do myself um, to help myself. But I hear what you're saying, and I'm so appreciative. But that's I, not, and I have mentioned hypericum tincture, yes? Yeah, yes, I did understand that. Yes, okay, good. I, I Right. Yeah, but do you respond to skullcap? Do you respond to skullcap or passion flower? Um, you know, I, I actually haven't um done anything with the passion flower or the skullcap because years ago, uh, before I started listening to you, I I I tried taking it in capsules. 
um, but I, I reacted severely, you know, so um, it didn't set well with me. And I, so I've stayed away, and I've often wondered about that um, to do it. Um, so you're suggesting that I, I try the skull, skull cap and the passion flower, and could you say more about that, please? Like what, how to, to make a tincture or to... Do use it another way. In my new book, Abundantly Well, The Seven Medicines, there is, in fact, a whole page of herbal painkillers. Abundantly um, Well, yes, I've heard you talk about that book. Yeah, so, you know, so there's um, written down, you know, the dosage and the botanical names of the plants. I personally use the tincture of the fresh flowering skullcap, Scutellaria latiflora side flowering skullcap, the skullcap of wet places of North America. I only tincture it fresh, and I tincture it so fresh that I take the bottle and the vodka to the skullcap swamp. I don't even bring it home to do it. I really do it fresh. I find that uh, tincture made from dried skullcap is, yeah, sometimes it works. One of the nice things about skullcap is that in addition to relieving pain, um, as its name suggests, it is s- very specific for headache pain, but it relieves pain all over the body, and it's very soporific. It is one of my favorite sleep-inducing herbs, so much so that if I'm in pain and I want to take skullcap, I am very cautious about the dose if it's during the day. A, two to eight drops would be a dose for during the day and to go to sleep at night um, less than a dropper full is usually all that's needed okay, when, I fell and broke my, when I fell and broke my wrist in Costa Rica oh, um, I, I, had this, I, I kept the skullcap tincture near at hand and when I woke in the night I would take a dose of skullcap and I would be back asleep in five minutes so even if I woke up every hour or two the skullcap tincture would put me back to sleep and keep me pain free so that's just one of the herbs that I talk about in Abundantly Well that can help deal with pain. Um, and different people react to different herbs in different ways, and there's all different kinds of pain. Um, mm-hmm. When I was in Tucson last December, a very wise herbalist noticed that I was in pain, asked me to describe it, and then did a little research and um, showed up the next day. We were both attending a conference together um, with a remedy that was specific to the kind of pain that I was experiencing. And three yeah. drops of it really, you know, um, just put the pain totally to rest. Now, I had to repeat that three drops about every hour during uh-huh. the time when I was experiencing that pain. But um, what I'm suggesting and what I've found both personally and from hearing other people's stories is that if you keep trying out different things and asking around, you're going to find some herbs that will help you to relieve your pain. In terms of making it yourself, if you live someplace with a skullcap growing, wow, that's great. If not, Catskill Mountain Herbals makes the tincture from fresh skullcap. Okay, Catskill Mountain Herbals. Now, um, I I live in New Hampshire. Do you know if skullcap is still uh, blooming now at this time? Yes, it's been it very cool here. Yes. Okay. Yes. I will. 
I will, um, as soon as I can do something, uh, uh, I do the hypericum first, so I, these spasms will stop. I mean, they're so severe, I can't even move. And I, I know movement is so important, but when they're that severe, you know, that uh, you, you, it hurts too much to move. It causes me, you know, to call out. It's uh, So I'm looking forward to um, getting uh maybe trying the hypericum so I can at least move and get back out in nature and um, look for this because I've never looked for skull cap. I have, uh, and just because I reacted negatively years ago with, to the capsules, which we all learn from, I think at one time I even found something where you were taking capsules at one time. So, um, I'm not going to be down upon myself because everybody, you know, everything is a learning experience because I had a bad reaction to the capsules. You talk about that and I listen and you, and often you say that's the most expensive and the least um, effective way. I do listen to you, Susan. And and um, the most dangerous. No, fortunately I never took herbs and capsules, Um, but I did work in a lot of health food stores. So I certainly saw a lot of herbs. Capsules, yeah, but that's that's yeah, okay, Rose. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And I think that you um, are going to forge a deep bond with Hypericum perforatum, sometimes called called Saint John's Wort. I call it Saint Jones Wort. I yes. really appreciate your calling. Green blessings. Well, thank, green blessings to both of you. Green blessings so much. Bye-bye. And I just want to say that I get like one, like kind of like an electric charge a lot of times at night that like runs through my body that's like a nerve kind of thing. And I just, and I sleep with hypericum oil next to my bed because I have to like rub it on my legs so to like uh, calm that sensation down oftentimes. So I just want okay. to mention what, that as what, well. Thank you so much, Rebecca. What kind of oil do you use? The, I use the when hypericum you make your own oil. oil. You I'll are? use tincture too sometimes. I use the hypericum oil, and I'll use tincture sometimes. But I find the oil to be really effective, like in the middle of the night. But what do you make your own hypericum oil? Yeah, I do. So that, yeah, I would like to know what kind of oil that you do you use? Do you oh, use um, olive oil? oil. Or I use oil. olive oil. Yeah, I use olive oil. You can also, I've infused it in tallow in the past too. But the one that I keep next to my bed is the olive oil. Okay. Well, well, thank you mm-hmm. so much, and and bless bless you both. You're doing something so helpful to people who don't have any other way of getting help, and and I'm I appreciate because I am learning a little bit every week. So thank you, thank you. God bless you both. And Green blessing. blessing. Bye-bye. Good night, Rose. Good night, sweetheart. The next caller is coming from the 216 area code. Hi, everyone. My name is Katie, and I have a quick question. I have been diagnosed with uh, endometriosis. I had two operations, and I have only my left fallopian tube left over. And it's blocked. So I have been taking um, chickweed tincture. And so I started my cycle last Monday. And so, well, let me back up. I've been taking the chickweed for about two months now. So this is my second cycle. 
And I have been... Let, let uh, me back up for a minute, too. When you say only your left fallopian tube is left, you mean your right fallopian tube is gone? Yes, it has been removed. All right, but your ovaries and your uterus are there? Yes, everything's still there except for my right fallopian tube. Okay. All right. And I've been taking the chickweed, and I started my cycle last Monday, but... I, my cycle usually only lasts for about three days, maybe four at the longest. And most recently, I have been passing clots for about nine days now. It's I don't have a flow. I just been, it's just been clots. And I wanted to know if that was something that I should expect with the endometriosis and the blocked left fallopian tube. Fallopian tubes are very small. What generally mm -hmm. blocks the fallopian tube is scar tissue. Okay. Caused by an infection. Okay. If a scar, if a fallopian tube is blocked, then a fertilized egg cannot get into the fallopian tube and thus cannot get to the uterus. But mm -hmm. it causes no physical symptoms of any kind. Right. Like I no have been having pain, no, no pain bleeding. while these... Fallopian tube being blocked means that this tiny little tube is squished together and an egg now can't pass through it and that's really all that it means. Um, it, you know, and all that comes from that, meaning that you can't get pregnant. I'm not in any way downplaying that. But no, it wouldn't cause any physical symptoms. Endometriosis means that there is endometrial tissue growing outside of the uterus. So the endometrium is the lining of the uterus, as I'm sure you know, and it engorges with blood every month in preparation for the possibility of a fertilized egg getting there. And when there's endometriosis, the endometrial tissue um, somehow proliferates in other places. I take it there was endometrial tissue on your fallopian tube. Right. And that's why it was surgically removed. So my question is, um, with me taking the chickweed um, herb, um, should I be passing these clots? I mean, they're not painful. They just... It's, I don't me, have a, like a period. Tell me so. what form of chickweed you're in, you're taking, please. It's um it's a liquid form. Mm-hmm. And I I mean that's basically. Is it in a small bottle with a dropper, or are you making a chickweed infusion? Um, it's in it's in a small dropper. I take uh, eight drops, maybe once a day. Eight drops of chickweed tincture taken once a day should have no physiological effect at all. When women so, are taking okay. women are taking chickweed tincture to dissolve obstructions and blockages, they take three to four droppers full two to okay. four times a day. So, will the chickweed help unblock my left? fallopian tube so that I may try to conceive one day? I don't know. It's possible. Okay. But, again, 
chickweed needs to be taken in very large doses. Okay. And for a fair amount of time. So usually if a woman is going to get engaged on something like this, and it's a great time of the year to do this, she would make like half a gallon of chickweed tincture for herself. Because chickweed really okay. likes weather and starts growing again. We're talking about Stellaria media, which I talk about in depth in my green book, Healing Wise. And it's very easy to make a tincture. You can go to YouTube and see me working with chickweed and making a tincture. Make a large amount of your own tincture so that you can take a large amount of the tincture and not have to worry about buying expensive bottles of tincture. Okay, I can do that. There's certainly some herbs that work at very low doses. We were just talking about skullcap that works at low doses, but chickweed is not going to be one of them. Okay, well, thank you. I need to make large doses, take large doses. Okay, thank you. I do appreciate you answering my question. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Bye. The next caller is coming from the 509 area code. Uh, hi, Susan. How are you doing? Hi. Better and stronger every day. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm calling because um, uh, last year and this year were very similar, um, like very similar things happened. I was institutionalized for about six months total with um, four months in jail and two months in the behavioral health center or the mental institution. So for two years in a row, that's been about how it has been so far or how it's been going. And um, this time, I've been to jail a lot. Um, and this time, like, was the hardest time for me, both in jail and afterwards. Like, usually I try to uh, get some exercise and stuff. And um, this time I just decided I was just not going to do anything and I was like just extremely depressed and emotionally stressed and this whole time I've I've also been away from my son who I it's have been without him for two years so that's been very hard and then I was having kind of disturbing like visions um this time around in jail too and there were a lot of things that I didn't do that I like like I don't know. It's hard to describe, but um, anyway, this time around, it's been really hard, like, just (laughs) bouncing back because I kind of just made this decision that I didn't even want to try, and I, I was, I wanted to just, like, die, you know? I was just extremely, like, at the bottom of everything, and um, so bouncing back this time around has been really challenging, like... (laughs) Um, it's only been in the last couple of days that I've actually gotten any energy back whatsoever. And I think it's from the St. John's board that I ordered. Um, like I have all of a sudden felt like I was getting my strength back and everything, but, um, I guess the reason I'm calling is just like to see if there's anything else that I can, even though I feel so much stronger and everything, I still feel this like really, this like downward energy just kind of still pulling me down uh, just from all of these things. Like, I mean, I have, um, like, a couple mental, you know, diagnoses like PTSD, 
And most of it, I think, at this point has been not only from, like, just, like, past experiences, but from jail itself, like, giving me more PTSD and, um, like, the beha- even the behavioral center giving me more PTSD and, and having to take the pills. I mean, I came out nearsighted and everything, like, and for a couple of weeks I had to wear re- reading glasses. and um, So I'm just trying to stay you know, like really respect a new rhythm coming through. And, but I just have all this like sagging <laughs> energy. Like this, it's hard to get my bounce back this time around. And I'm trying to do everything responsibly. Um, and I'm just seeing if there's anything else I should maybe add besides, of course, doing the nourishing herbal infusion, which has helped tremendously. And the St. John's wort. I am so glad to hear that um, the nourishing herbal infusions and hypericum are really being helpful for you. A couple of weekends ago, I taught a class on adaptogens, and we were talking about one of the premier North American adaptogens, uh, rhodiola, rhodiola rosacea, and um, that it has been garnering a reputation as a plant that helps people who aren't necessarily generally depressed but feel depressed about one particular facet of their lives. Like the person who can't finish their doctoral thesis. Or the person who can't get herself to enroll in that exercise class. So perhaps rhodiola would be an interesting herb for you to experiment with. Hmm. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah. Down mm-hmm. is always the first word I say when I'm leading a meditation. <laughs> Settle down is what our Qigong teacher said to us, oh, maybe a hundred times an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it wasn't that much, but that's what it felt like. Settle down. Settle down. Settle down. Do you know there are some people who say it's post-traumatic stress discovery? Mm. Let's change our stories. Of course being in jail is traumatic. It's supposed to be traumatic. They're trying to scare them out of you. So, without getting into details, are these incarcerations things that you have no control over, or are they things that happen because of your behavior? Oh, man. It's weird. I mean, I I just, I feel... um, guided to do something and I do it you know just like I feel guided to do anything else <laughs> healthy or spiritual I'm also guided to do other things that I can't control I mean it's um, a conundrum I mean it's like now of course I don't feel like I would ever do that you again you need some road signs <laughs> you need some signs that say danger stop here do not proceed dead end 
bad outcome. Can you put some signs up like that? Yeah, I'll try to. Uh-huh. You may need more than one. Out there on the road, they'd put more than one, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I do You have to be willing to pay my... attention to them. It was pouring rain. We were driving from Washington to Oregon along the coastal road, and there was a tractor-trailer parked beside the road with a sign on the side of it. That's how big the sign was. It says, Road Closed. 20 miles ahead and it's flashing all these lights and we're proceeding forward through the pouring rain i don't say anything you know i'm not the driver and um, 10 miles further on there's another you know tractor trailer parked beside the road with a sign on the whole side of it flashing lights red and yellow flash flash road closed 10 miles ahead i don't say anything i'm not the driver we're driving through the pouring rain, and finally we get to this big barricade, and it said, road closed. And the driver says, huh? Road closed? What the? And I said, didn't you see the signs? She said, no, I didn't see the signs. So we had, you know, a nice dinner at the diner there, which was doing a great business, and turned around and drove back. But that's not what happens when you don't see the signs or when you don't have signs. Especially yeah. if you ignore the one that says road closed and go through into the floodwaters. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I'm supposed so to that, be... So what I'm saying is spend time every day with your road crew putting up signs. Make it a mental exercise. Think about it. Think about what happens in your body and in your brain when you are thinking about doing something that is going to be harmful to yourself or others. Jean Houston was once asked, what's the difference between a shaman and and a a madman? And she said, the shaman does things that are healing to self and others, and the madman does things that are harmful to self and others. We all have a little of both in all of us. Mm-hmm. But I have stop signs and warning signs and flashers that say, do not go this way, Susan. Mm-hmm. And I pay attention to them. And I turn around and I go back and I say, oh, no, this is not the way I want to go. I've put a road sign there because I don't want to go down the road to resentment. No, I've put a stop sign there because I don't want to do this thing that will aggravate somebody. No, you know, I have closed this road because it leads me to do things with people who don't have my best interest at heart and I get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I... Look at I'm where like- those are and start putting up stop signs. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Let mm-hmm. me know how the rodeo works out. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Dream blessings. Good night. Okay. Good night. Bye-bye.
The next caller is coming from the 908 area code. Hello, Susan? Hi. Um, I I have a few questions that are sort of follow-up questions on things you talked about before. So I'm going to start with exercise. Um, you had talked about doing yoga, I think, or or I don't know if it was any kind of exercise, but definitely I think you said yoga and not doing it first thing in the morning. And I just wanted to check in with you about that because it's – I understand why – I shouldn't do it first thing in the morning because I'm, well, I'm 65 and I do get stiffer in the night. And I did once hurt myself doing yoga, you know, kind of stretching too much early in the morning. So I I really kind of took that to heart. But I'm just wondering what's a good amount of time to wait, like let's say, right when I get out of bed, but when might be uh, safe to proceed? Anytime after 4 p.m. Ah, okay. Very good. I'm so glad I asked because I, I really wasn't sure. So the body needs to be thoroughly warm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I like and, that. Uh, I like yeah. that. That time slot also because it means that you're probably going to have dinner right afterwards. Yeah. So four o'clock or later, but four o'clock is is a is a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it's experience. time. Okay. You know, most people's circadian rhythms are slowing down for that afternoon time. So it's a good time to move into the slowness of yoga because my three yoga rules are. Um, not in the morning, not mm-hmm. every, not every day, and mm-hmm. not in any temperature over room temperature. Yes, yes, okay. Now um, you have been. Okay. I have been doing an hour and a half of yoga once a week for mm-hmm. oh gosh, close to sixty years now. Mhm. And while any exercise is beneficial, swimming, horseback riding walking, um, some of the other things that I enjoy doing. Um, I get the most benefit from yoga and tai chi and walking because those are things that I have done consistently and regularly without overdoing it for decades. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, swimming is a little harder for me to connect with the pool, and I've done it you know, for rehabilitation, um, you know, swimming a mile at a time, two or three times a week. But it's I, my neighbor Ellie. Bless her heart, you know. I see her going out to the river. The gym is closed. She can't get to the pool. Uh, it's a long drive anyway to get to the nearest pool. Uh, but she's going down to the river. She's keeping her swimming practice intact, and that's what what happens with the practice. That no matter what changes around us, our practice stays intact, and it helps us stay intact. So that yeah. I think I think that's really what you're asking about. Um, what practice you have 
does not matter that much. But what I say to people is the longer you sustain the practice, the more you get from it. So I uh, I ask of your practice, are you going to be doing it when you're 90? Yeah. And I can certainly be doing Tai Chi and yoga and walking when I'm 90. Mm-hmm. Which is gasped not so far away. <laughs> well, uh, uh, well uh, yes, we start to be able yes, to I, feel, I feel very, very, you know, happy. The first yoga class that I attended right after I got home from the surgery, I slept through 90% of it. Um, of course, I couldn't even sit up at that point. And now, you know, um, four months later, I am able to do 90% of the poses. Yay. Yeah, so that's part of having a practice, right, is that your body remembers, and you, yes. you know, allow it to remember that, and by remembering, everything else becomes stronger and healthier. Yes, yes, I I have experienced that as well. Um, and I I love that you say once a week because there's so much that I have come in contact anyway with yoga where it's been like you must do it every day. And, you know, um, I find that my body does remember, but, you know, there's also such a thing as not doing it enough. I mean, I think it has to be um, – I mean, I can get it back. If I stop doing yoga, like if I've injured myself, which is what happened, I, I started doing it again, and I do feel my body remembers. So my practice is old enough that I guess it's integrated. Um, yes, that's what, that's what we tell the apprentices. Even if you don't want to do the yoga or feel you can do the yoga, you must come to yoga practice and you must lay there for the entire hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Because it's a practice, it doesn't mean that you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> what? And, what? And, yeah. and yes, your body remembered. Your body kept on practicing, yeah. even if you weren't. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very beautiful feeling. I love. It. I love how it it is. It, it does that. Mm. <laughs> how quickly it came back to you. Yes, it, it does. And I, I do sort of have this instinct right now not to do it every day, not to push it. Um, they, walking, though, I sometimes do walk every day, but I don't know. Oh, well, How of course, we're designed to walk every day. Well, okay, but I mean longer walks outside. Yeah. Is that okay? Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I mean, we're not Great. talking like ten mile walks, right? No, no. More like three to four at the most, I would say. Mhm. Mhm. Sounds quite reasonable. The neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it. Um, gets me out of the house. Uh. Okay. Well. Um. Shall I go on, or are there others waiting? I. I could always call back for my... What's the answer, Rebecca? Are there others waiting? Uh, We have three more callers in the queue with questions right now. So, yes, call back again and let me talk to these last three people. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Good night. Thank you so much. Good night. Green blessings. Green blessings. The next caller is coming from the 570 area code. 
Hi, Susan. Hi. It's Samantha. Um, Hi, Samantha. <laughs> I um, I collected some corn silk, and I have it drying over some baskets. And I was just wondering. Um, I know you said that I can stick them in to the freezer and pull them out later, but how dry should I wait and? For them to get before doing that. I like to dry them out completely. I usually let them sit out for a couple of weeks, but I live in a fairly humid environment, so if you live where it's drier, they may be dry faster. Yeah, no, they're taking they're they're taking a little bit to dry, a little bit of time to dry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll. I'll just let them sit out for a little bit longer because they they seem to be keeping their moisture and their silkiness for pretty well. Um, our wonderful so, humid climates. Yes. At least it makes and, our hair. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. um, my other question is, I have like relentless stiff ankles especially in the back of my ankles, down into my heels. And I, I don't really, I'm just trying to identify exactly what even is, is this pain. Um, it doesn't even seem to be remedied sometimes by massage, so I, I'm not sure how to approach it. <laughs> my gym partner, Yvette, um seemed to be constantly hurting her ankles and having problems with her ankles. And she decided to ally with plantain. And she now tells me about times when she's out walking and she twists her ankle and she thinks, ha, it's nothing. And it is. It's nothing to her anymore. And it used to be just the slightest little thing and she wouldn't be able to walk on that ankle. And she always was carrying around tape because she had to tape her ankles. But her alliance with plantain really changed that. Perhaps it will help you. Okay. Thank you. Green you blessings. Green blessings. Does she use a salve for it, or is it a... a um, yes, she, yes, she made plantain salve. Oh, okay. All right, the next Actually, caller I think is... Actually, most, mostly I think she used the oil without any beeswax, just the oil, rather mm-hmm. than an actual salve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next caller is coming from the 352 area code. Hi, Susan. It's Carol. How are you? Hi, Cheryl. Doing better and stronger every day. How about you? Um, I just found out my RV is loaded with mold, so i got to work on that. But I have uh, my question would be to you. Uh, will you be getting the coronavirus vaccine? And if you did, would it be the first round, or would you wait for more tests? You know, I live in the country, and social distancing is so easy here, and quarantining is our way of life. It's not like I'm a party girl. I don't go out to bars. The only places, and my daughter and I were talking about this, and my gym partner and I were talking about it too, is right now I'm not ready to go back into a gym. And I see all the people around me enjoying restaurants. And the head count is not going up in my county. 
So we're really thinking, you know, maybe to visit our favorite restaurant and see what's happening in there. Um, but because of that, I don't need protection. I'm a strong, healthy individual, and I live in the country. My answer would be very different if I lived in the city, if I was frequently in groups of people, if I couldn't control like I can control now who was in my environment. Yeah, that's that's good. Yep, that's very good. Do you get the flu vaccine? I'm not in situations where I would need the flu vaccine. I'm okay. not around. That's exactly, those are good answers. Thank you. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the vaccine isn't useful, but it means that it has limited usefulness for me, and my exposure is minimal. Right. I am, by, I am by nature a loner. My idea of a fun day is let the goats out and go spend the day in the woods alone. You don't think by going to these conferences and the amount of work that you do, or is that? I haven't gone to any conferences. All the conferences are canceled. No, no, I, I, I understand that. I'm just saying that would be a future decision for you. You think if they did start having conferences again? If they started having conferences again, it would be because everyone feels safe and comfortable. And I would be part of everyone. And how that we well, would bring you. that about remains to be seen. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. I, I really appreciate that. You're welcome, Cheryl. Good night. Green Good blessings. night. Green blessings. The next caller is coming from the eight. 6-4 area code. Hello, you guys. Uh, my name is Tony. How's everybody? Hi, Tony. Uh, I had one real quick question. Um, I've been dealing with testicular cancer and what the doctor, uh, the um, urologist deemed as testicular cancer, which is a very rare disease. Um from what I understand, and, um, you know, I, rather than going in and getting it treated, uh, chopped off and going the radiation and chemo path, I chose and opted out to, to treat it uh, the natural natural way. Um, I do and am, are seeing uh, several uh, tumors on my left testicle. Um, my question is, is that what would be a recommended um, approach to getting this thing alleviated or, you know, are there any outside approaches outside of Western medicine or the normal means or modalities of Western medicine to, to getting this taken care of? There are two resources that I can offer you. I have a video course called A Cancer Diagnosis, Help Yourself, The Wise Woman Way. And that's at wisewomanschool.com. 
and that lays out in detail the foods and herbs that are useful in warding off cancer, as well as the treatments that I find pretty useless. I will say that the first thing that I did when I got a cancer diagnosis was I began taking medicinal mushrooms. And I didn't want to go out and make my own mushroom blends. The mushrooms do work much better together. Um, And I took five defenders, which is um, mushroom powder from a company called Real Mushrooms. And I also took my community from Paul Stamid's company, Host Defense. Okay. And I took both of them as powders, which I mixed into food. And as you know, even after three years, there were no metastases and no spread of any kind Mm. from my cancer. So even though I was not successful in eliminating those cancers naturally, I was completely successful in preventing metastasis. Oh, wow. So that when it was obvious that I could go no further, um, the surgery that they offered me and I refused the chemotherapy was completely successful. Mm. So don't wall yourself off in the possibility of that treatment, but do everything you can for yourself. And that includes improving your overall health. Mm -hmm. So that I was Mm -hmm. able to go through 17 hours of surgery and 13 hours of induced coma two weeks in the hospital pretty much bedridden mm-hmm. I'm out of it a healthy vigorous woman right 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 right, mm-hmm. right. So, so prepare yourself as my dad always said you know hope for the best but prepare for the worst that's right that's right, right. that sounds good in addition to that video course, I have a book, Breast Cancer Question Mark, Breast Health Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way. Now, you might say, well, Susan, that's about breasts, and this is my prostate, and although they may be somewhat related, I don't really get it. But the truth of the matter is that there are actually thousands of kinds of cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you probably were not told that you had prostate cancer, but there was probably a whole string of adjectives added to it. Mm-hmm. And each different kind of cancer has different kinds of treatments that are useful for it. Uh, but the general treatments are the general treatments, whatever kind of treatment mm-hmm. it is. So the foods and the herbs and the general things that are in the breast cancer book and the information about um, helping yourself with radiation, chemotherapy, and surgery stands for whatever kind of treatment you're going to do, whatever kind of cancer you're dealing with. So that can actually be of some help even though you do not have breast cancer. Also, in my new book, Abundantly Well, there is a section on ways to protect yourself against radiation in case you do decide that that's what you want to do. Again, leave yourself open to the possibilities. I especially listened to my dreams 
at, you know, when I had when I had my first diagnosis and they were suggesting surgery, I would wake up in nightmares and screaming when I would dream of the surgery. It was so clearly wrong for me. But once mm. it became right for me three years later, it was like door after door opened up for me and my dreams were solid and easy and helping me to go ahead. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And what were the two sites that you recommended or uh, the, 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 the two powders? The course is at wisewomanschool.com. Okay. And my books are at wisewomanbookshop.com. Okay. And that would be okay. the breast cancer question mark breast health book mm-hmm. and my new book, Abundantly Well. Okay. And and the two, uh, the, the mushroom, you said you were using a mushroom powder? The mushrooms that I was talking about. Um, five Defenders from Real Mushrooms, which is five medicinal mushrooms powdered and mixed together. And uh-huh. my community from Host Defense, which is about 30 different mushrooms, either powdered or available as a tincture. It's actually okay. not the mushrooms, which is why the other company is called Real Mushrooms. Paul Stamets has shown that it's just as effective to use the mycelium as it is to use the mushroom, which is the fruiting body of the mycelium. And okay. it's more ecological, and so he does not grow out to the fruiting body. Although my community does have some mushrooms which are fruiting bodies, just to further royal the waters, uh, but his products are based on mycelium, and he has a lot of scientific studies that have used his products showing tremendous success with them. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you guys very much for taking my call. And um, Oh, we accept your thanks, but we won't be called guys. Oh, um, with you gals. Thank you. All right. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. So it looks like we don't have any more callers, but um, we that, the woman said this. Zoom. We got done with three callers in 10 minutes. How rare is that? I know. Um, um, let's see if we can go back to the woman that had an additional question. I think this is her number in the 908. Are you still there? Yes, hi. I'm still here. Oh, good. We need another question. Do you have one? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Um, okay, I'll ask the question about hibiscus. Um, I enjoy using hibiscus um, tea as a sort of a flavoring. Like I'll ma- I'll make some hibiscus tea and then I'll add a little of it to my nourishing herbal infusions sometimes. Um, and it's very tasty. I really like it. Um, and I've heard you say that um, that's one herb that you do use as a nourishing infusion as well. Is that correct? We do brew hibiscus up using one ounce to a quart of water, but we always dilute it when we drink it. Okay, that that was my question because I was 
I see how it's pretty strong just from making it as a tea. So I was trying to imagine how incredibly strong it would really be as a an infusion with an ounce. In fact, my favorite way to use hibiscus infusion is to freeze it in an ice cube tray and then drop those ice cubes into any beverage of my choice. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's uh it's to be used less in less large quantities than let's say nettle infusion or one of the other five. One of the other one, four. Of, one of the things that I have noticed is that around me, as the weather gets warmer, more plants with sour tastes are available to me. Mm-hmm. Hibiscus with its sour taste and amla berry with its sour taste are plants from tropical regions. So I yes. associate the sour taste with cooling. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be cooler in the wintertime. So I mm-hmm. very rarely drink hibiscus in the wintertime. And it's too darn hot in the summertime, so I'm much more likely to drink hibiscus and have it on hand and drink more of it during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. If um, I had a particular condition that hibiscus could help me with, if I was wanted to use it to reduce high blood pressure, if I wanted to use it because I had triple negative breast cancer as an adjuvant to other therapies, um, then I would drink it every day if I was taking it for a specific purpose. But since the other infusions, I'm only having a quart once every five days, um, I'm certainly doing justice to hibiscus. You you would what? Sorry, I couldn't understand the last. And the other infusions, I'm drinking one quart every five days. If I have some hibiscus around and I have a quart over the course of a week, that's still doing it justice. I see. I see. Okay, that's very good. Thank you. Because it does last pretty well in the fridge, I've noticed. It has no protein in it, which is why it's not one of the major herbal infusions. Okay. Right, that plant protein is one of the most important things that the nourishing herbal infusions give us. And more and more studies which are um, separating out plant protein from other proteins is finding that within a reasonable limit, the more plant proteins in the diet, the stronger and longer the person will be, longer lived the person will be. Oh, oh, the more plant proteins in the diet. So the nourishing herbal infusions give us plant proteins from oat straw, from the red clover, from nettle, and from comfrey. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right, so this fails to meet the mark for nourishing herbal infusion main tier because it doesn't have protein which allows it to sit in the refrigerator for a long time. And as mm-hmm. we can see also, the linden has virtually no protein, so it also lasts for a long time in the fridge. Oh, okay. That's good to know. I hadn't really tested that one. Right. But since I have long been of the opinion that the real name of disease is inflammation, and since linden is a wonderful anti-inflammatory, I'll give it a break on not being rich in protein. 
Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I don't know. Shall I go ahead with my third question, or is it time? Yes, go ahead with your third question. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, early on, uh, when we, when you began to talk about COVID nineteen, you said that you had found these probiotics in your fridge and you decided to take them. And um, I have gotten some <clears throat> probiotics, and uh, I I'm trying to understand how. Like, let's say if I have a bottle of thirty, do I need to take them every day in order to establish those good probiotics in my system? Or how I, I just don't seem to be able to understand that from what I've been able to find to read. That's a very good and very subtle question. I uh-huh. don't, I don't think that you need to take them every day, but we know really very little about gut flora in the small intestine. Most of our studies of gut flora are done on dried feces. So we're really mostly learning about what's in the large intestine. And fascinating Mm -hmm. is that is, of course, it's the microflora in the small intestine that really has a lot to do with the to-do about microflora. So technically, Mm -hmm. even one of those lactobacillus giving into your gut should be able to multiply to the point where it can sustain itself there. Mm -hmm. And we know that things tend to circulate in the bloodstream um, for long periods of time. Not forever, but it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that if you took a probiotic, it would still be in your body two or three days later. Yeah. It's interesting because I I don't feel inclined to take it every day, but I also, you know, you buy something like that and it says it. You know, you always take it every day, and um, so then I'm like, okay, well, um, well and since I'm know, not taking it for us, yeah. The supplements are not regulated in any way at all. Yeah. So what they say is just like so much hype. I know, I know, I know. And while I'm sure it wouldn't hurt you to take it every day, um, it's I don't think it's that they're saying it's necessary. Yeah, okay. Well, and as far as that's good that you said that. Okay, you don't think it would hurt me. But that's a question I have, too, about probiotics is let's say you're taking them, would they just add to whatever probiotics you already were eating, like sauerkraut or miso or, or you know, whatever like that? They would um, indeed, and at this point, I'm going to say green blessings goodbye and introduce our guest. Is that okay? Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Susan. You're welcome. Green blessings Good night. It's with great pleasure that we welcome Bridget Doherty, an herbalist in the wise woman tradition who resides on Deer Island in down east Maine. She's a passionate herbal health educator and a professional gardener. And Bridget is the founder of the Soli Dago School of Herbalism. I was 
uh, driving home from my voice lesson this afternoon, and my daughter said, look at that field just covered in goldenrod. I said, ah, the Soli Doggo School of Herbalism is going to be speaking to us tonight, and certainly it is the time of the year when Soli Doggo speaks so loudly. Bridget began her connection with herbs while playing in her mother's gardens as a child, their sense and beauty attracting her curiosity. For the past two decades, Bridget has worked with medicinal plants in a variety of ways, as a student and a teacher, a gardener and a forager, a medicine maker and a health consultant. Bridget received a BA focused in organic agriculture and herbal medicine from Evergreen State College. She has many wonderful herbal mentors, including Susan Weed, Rosemary Gladstar, Katja Swift, and K.P. Kalsa. Bridget teaches a variety of workshops for the home herbalists, including medicine plant walks, herbal spas, herbs for health series, and hands-on medicine making. She also offers an online course called Nourish Yourself, which teaches how to incorporate common herbs in simple ways into your daily life and daily diet. Bridget inspires people to be more self-reliant in their health and healing. She teaches the home herbalist how to bring herbal medicine into everybody's life by relating to plants in their bodies, kitchens, gardens, and the wild. Hi, Bridget. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be speaking with you, as always. And thank you so much for gracing our show. What a delight. You know, one of the things that has fascinated me is over the period of time that I've been involved with herbs, how my viewpoint about herbs and herbalism has changed and how uh, perhaps the viewpoint of uh, all the people around me and my culture as a whole has changed. Have you noticed anything like that? Um, Yeah, well, definitely for myself, um, my viewpoint has changed a lot in the past over 20 years that I've been studying and working with herbs. And, um, you know, it started, well, when I was a child, it started on the ground level, like, you know, playing in the gardens and relating to the plants and making potpourris. And I just loved herbs because so many of them smell so good. And that was my main draw to them. Um, but then as I, you know, started going to college and I realized, like, wow, like, herbalism's actually a thing. Like, I was always called to it. And then I was like, oh, man, like, you know, I want to study this. This is, I'm so excited that this is a thing. I want to be an herbalist. And so at that time, um, you know, I took a clinical herbalist class. And it was all just very in uh, college setting, in classrooms, and I never really even went outside with the plants, and um, it was very heroic. Um, and so I had a really strong base in in that. And you know, we talked about Ayurvedic doshas, and and it was good for me. I was a good, you know, it was an interesting foundation. Um, and I actually got a job, I moved back to New Hampshire, and I got a job in a natural pharmacy that um, where we, it was, you know, wall-to-wall supplements <laughs> and tinctures and capsules of herbs and fluorescent lights. And, you know, I thought I was being an herbalist, and 
um, yeah, I learned a lot, and I spoke to a lot of people, and I actually already then liked teaching, so I started a free uh, lecture series where I and other healthcare practitioners spoke. Um, but I just wasn't fulfilling my soul or my calling. Like, it wasn't that paradigm shift that I was really looking for um, in studying and working with the plants. It was um, it was still, you know, people would come in to the pharmacy, they would have a symptom or a diagnosis, and they would want an encapsulated herb to take home with them that would cure them. And it just, it just felt like the scientific method just with, um, you know, replaced with herbs. And or the scientific tradition, I guess I should say. And there was, and then I got very involved with all the trends of cleansing and um, smoothies and juicing and uh, raw food and vegetarianism and thinking that I was like really doing myself right. Like it was almost like I was focusing on my healthy state as a pathology that needed fixing with herbs, even though I was, healthy but I was you know I was like well I must need to do something to make myself healthier so I was um, cleansing and that didn't really pan out that well for me so I actually kind of threw the towel in for a while I was like you know this isn't really fulfilling that calling I had and I moved to this island in Maine and more just because I loved um, this place is where my grandparents summered and I painted houses and, uh, you know, worked in cafes and, you know, I still loved plants and would garden for myself and, but I just kind of lost the spark. And while I was painting houses, I would listen to podcasts and I found your podcast. It was right when you first started. And I had originally, um, gone to like in the early 2000s gone to an international herb symposium where you were speaking and it was I think you were doing a talk about you know the myths of herbalism or something breaking the myths the common myths of herbalism and I just couldn't hear what you were saying because it was you know challenging everything that I believed and had thought and been trained in the time Um, and but then but since then when I started listening to your podcast and I was just like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Once again, she's challenging everything that I had believed and thought and known herbalism to be, but now it's like really ringing true to me. Like it makes sense. It was the paradigm shift that I was really looking for all that time. And now I feel like I've come full circle and now I'm, you know, back connecting with the plants themselves as living entities and beings and, you know, working with, instead of seeing health as something that needs to be fixed or like almost seeing a healthy state as pathological, like seeing health as um, just as being health and then to be able to nourish it foundationally. And so that has been so important um, in my coming back into herbalism and you know I've been a student of yours now for over seven years and working with you you know and 
you know, I wanted to have an herb farm. I didn't really, I know I wanted a career in herbalism, but I didn't really know where to go. And you definitely inspired me to teach and, you know, do herb walks and just bring the herbs back to the people. And that, you know, my vision is really, I want herbalism to be as common in everyday household as cooking a healthy meal, you know, like right next to your dried beans, you have your echinacea tincture that you made last year, or you have your nourishing herbs for your nourishing infusions, which is going to be just as common as your, you know, whatever your healthy vegetables are in your, in your fridge. So my paradigm, my shift of herbalism has been a, a spy, a lovely spiral for sure coming back around. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, and in the, in America itself, you know, I almost see a lot of that same spiral uh, as well in as herbalism goes, although I do feel, um, you know, I love how grassroots herbalism can be and how there's so much social sharing and how there's so many, you know, ideally like an herbalist in every community that can share and teach and provide uh, for people that are interested. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like there's still a, that paradigm shift into the wise woman view um, is, is missed a lot. And, and it's still like, well, I have this disease and what, what herb can I take that will act just like a drug where it's like, we need to really understand the plants as plants and it understand that it's a completely different type of healing modality and it's in my perspective in its ideal form and in the form that it is most effective. Hello? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, hello? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Um, okay. You have an online course called Nourish Yourself. Yes. Yes. So Can you I, tell us about uh, that? Yes. Well, it stems from this desire to see, you know, herbalism back in um, every home, every, you know, in the common home and the common kitchen. And the course is, focuses on incorporating nourishing herbs into everyday living. So um, taking your cue, like I definitely focus on the, the standard five nourishing herbs. And the goal is that, you know, people really bring it into their lives and make it become a daily, you know, act of self-care or ritual of self-care. And that, and I, and for me, like I know sometimes it's hard to start a new healthy habit and to keep it going. And, you know, they say, well, you need to do something at least 66 times before it becomes a habit. Um, and sometimes it's hard to just be like, okay, I'm going to start nourishing herbal infusions. Well, where do I begin? Where do I get the herbs? And what do I need? And how am I going to do this? And it's nice to have a community of people to know that um, you're, all working together for the same goal and 
you can share experiences together. So my idea is to bring a you know small community together with each session of the course. And the sessions are three-month sessions because I figure within three months' time, um, it's plenty of time to form the habit of nourishing herbs, nourishing infusions. And so I have um, – I have a web page on my website that's password protected that is that has all of the course. I have uh, pre-recorded videos, one video for each herb that digs deep um, into each herb. So not only about you know nettle infusion, but all about nettle, about its botany and its chemistry and its um, other ways that it can be worked with and. Um, and then I also have some – I have an introduction to Nourishing Herbs video. And then I also have some bonus classes. One is cooking with kelp and, other, and digging deep into seaweeds in general because I feel like that's a great way to introduce um, nourishment into the diet. I have an immune soups class that uh, focuses on astragalus and the mushrooms and bone broth and demonstrates how to – you know, make a nice immune soup with some recipes. And then the third bonus class is herbal energy snacks. And that is also focused on adaptogens and um, how to incorporate those into some recipes in the kitchen. So some fun things. Um, And then there's live classes two a month um, where we meet via Zoom. um, So we can share our experiences and our problems and oh like I really can't get past the taste of this herb what can I do and people can share their recipes or what they what they find helps um, them and have some accountability so you can check in and be like oh man like I fell off the infusion wagon like help me get back on like (laughs) what can I do or tips or tricks Um, and then I also kind of go through some of the highlights from the course material. So it's, I've designed it for people that have all different interests. Like you don't have to go really deep if you don't want to, but if you're already and you just want help, you know, getting on the bandwagon of nourishing infusions, then this is helpful, I find. Um, but if you want to go deep or you already know a lot about herbalism, but you want to kind of dig deeper, then this course also has a lot of information for you. Um, Sounds like yeah. a delicious buffet where the those who are very hungry can get a lot to eat and those who just want dessert can have dessert. I love that. I love that metaphor. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I'm gonna use that. Uh, in I'm, you know, I'm curious. <laughs> you you also are um, a landscaper, is that right? I am, yep. So my so main bread and butter into is gardens? What's that? Do I do I put you nettle in people's in their garden? <laughs> well, I haven't I haven't gone that far, but I do have I have put nettle in my own garden. Um, but I do I definitely <laughs> I have a very beautiful Cassandra vine. Oh yeah, I mean I put in as many herbs as I can in my garden designs. Absolutely. <laughs> and what, you what, know, is, your, what is your favorite herb for putting into garden designs? Oh gosh, well. You know, I love hypericum. It's just so beautiful, and oh, it usually it shows and, up. And by the time you get as far north as Maine, it grows like crazy. Oh, it's so lovely. 
Mm. And it's nice to, you know, so that, and then Joe Pye weed right now is one of my favorites because it's blooming. <laughs> I don't really use it medicinally, but it, I was in this garden. Ooh, that I that's planted. a meadow. Oh, for those wet spots. Yes, and the monarchs. I, there was this one patch I planted, and there must have been close to 20 monarchs on it today. Oh, so wonderful. Really, yes. And it's uh, tall. And it is tall. Yeah. Yes, and it's a true perennial, unlike the hypericum, which will, which will drift yeah. off after three or four years. Yes, yeah. I always like to, you know, try to get it to go to seed and let it I just let it grow the, my my helpers that work with me I'm like okay if you know anything about me you never weed this plant right. <laughs> this plant <Okay>. always stays <laughs> no matter what the client the does. only thing you can <laughs> safely pull out is the grass everything else ask me that's right uh, exactly 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 right <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so mm-hmm. you uh told us about your journey somewhat as an herbalist and you're changing viewpoints. Excuse me. And um, goldenrod is in bloom, so it's getting blamed, of course, for the huge clouds of pollen that the Artemisia vulgaris and the Ambrosia Artemisia folia are putting out. Poor goldenrod. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. You know, always, always being stoned for other plants' pollen. Um, so true. have you have you also seen that kind of the whole body of American herbalism has shifted and in what ways that you want to see more of and in what ways that you'd like to see us shift away from? Well, you know, I definitely want to see more of just the common everyday person incorporating herbs into daily life to improve health for themselves and their family. And I would love to see, you know, dandelion get so popular that it becomes endangered. (laughs) Not really, but I don't think that could happen, but I would love like everyone to just really appreciate the plants that grow that the mundane plants that grow all around us and often maligned plants that grow all around us. Um, that can be so beneficial. And something that really concerns me is that all these trendy, fatty um, herbs that are popularized um, that I think are could easily be endangered or overused, um, chaga being an example of one that I've noticed in the past few years that has just, um, I think, really become overpopularized and used and marketed. And I think it, you know, people, it becomes an item of consumerism and people make money on it. And, you know, I think dandelion could be just as and more helpful as chaga in a lot of the same ways, but it's, you know, a lot of people aren't going to buy dandelion if they can just pick it right out of their ground. So that is one thing that concerns me. I, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about, the legalities of, you know, people wanting to license herbalism. Um, I think that's, I know that's been on the table for a long time and luckily has, you know, there's enough herbalists like you and many others who steadfastly fight that. Um, But it's still definitely being talked about and promoted and that concerns me. Another thing that really concerns me is focusing on, you know, if I look, you know, I've just 
to see what's going on out there on Facebook. I'll follow some of these herb groups and just, you know, people, I mean, I think it's great, the grassroots where we can all share information, but where people are like, Oh, like I have this diagnosis and then they get, what can I do? And they get 20 comments, 21 word comments. Well, like this herb or this essential oil or this nutraceutical or, you know, and, that scares me a little bit because I feel like, um, you know, people are looking for free information from anyone and anywhere. And, and I just don't think all that information is necessarily the best or, and then also, um, again, it's not the full paradigm shift that I would like to see happening. If that makes sense. It does. It does. I remember, um, telling Janine Parvati that I thought Hygieia was an essential herbal and that every woman should own a copy of Hygieia and that it was the worst herbal ever written. And she laughed and she said, because I don't tell you really how to use the herbs, and I said, exactly. Mm. You have a list of amenagogues, you know, with, with the Penny Royal and Mother Wart and Catnip and you know, all these things, but you don't, you know, tell us what part of the herb or how to prepare it or the dose or really anything at all. And that can really make the difference between using an herb in a helpful way and using an herb in a way that isn't going to be helpful or could even be harmful. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I often yeah. say to people, well, you know, so long as you're working with the Nourishing and tonifying and adaptogenic herbs, it's pretty hard to go wrong. It's pretty mm-hmm. hard to make it wrong. It's pretty hard to take it wrong. It's pretty hard to do it wrong. But, uh, you know, many people, um, because of the heroic tradition and because of our general mindset, um, are more attracted to the stimulating, sedating, and potentially poisonous herbs, which you can, you know, do wrong, shall we say. You can do wrong to yourself and to others with that. We all know yeah. about, you know, we all know about Arnold Errett, um, who supposedly was tried for killing someone with Lobelia inflata, although none of us believe anybody could have died from it. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, the whole and this you've kind of cued, cued me into this a little bit as well, but the whole flower essence. And whatever all the essences that are out there and being heavily promoted and sold as a consume item, item of commerce, and for me, I mean, I don't necessarily have something against a flower essence if you're going to make it, if it's going to be your own ceremony, your own ritual, and your own connection to that plant. But if you're going out there and buying a, a flower essence or a flower essence formula that someone else has made with their own intentions and their own energy and their own realm and said, here, this is for you, then it kind of takes away personal power. It takes away the whole purpose, I feel like, of energy and mind medicine. Um, and it it just becomes this, like, yeah, it's safe. Like, no one's going to hurt themselves with this placebo um, you know, water in a in a in a bottle, but 
at the same time, you know, I just feel like I almost feel like the bulls being pulled over a lot of people's eyes and even the people who are making them and selling them like they don't fully, it just, again, it shifts back into this idea of like, well, we're going to fix a problem with a drug and, but it's a safe drug because it's a flat, it's an energy drug. It's a flower essence, but we're going to like shift your whole mind and soul state or something with this one bottle that you can buy for me for twelve ninety nine. <laughs> well that, actually, that you know, it goes all the way back to Plato who said that there is an essence or a true form of things. And that anything that changes by its nature cannot be trusted. And that only the unchanging essence is of any value. Hmm. Yes. So it's really scary on a, a psychic level um, that we would think that we can capture this unchanging essence uh, from a plant and that it is somehow preferable to, well, why am I an herbalist? Anyhow, I'm an herbalist because plants change. When I was yeah. teaching the on adaptogens um, a couple of weeks ago um, I was reading from David Winston's new uh, revised edition of adaptogens and I honestly don't know if it's in the the old one but it certainly caught my eye in the new one in which he says um, uh, herbs have to be put together in formulas Um, all herbal traditions agree that herbs have to be put into formulas and people who use simples are just folk herbalists and they're not doing real herbal medicine and I I said oh I love being argued with in print (laughs) 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 and it said the reason for this is because people are complex and of course what I say is plants are complex too and that's why I like to use one at a time because they are so complex yeah. Oh, I have really enjoyed working with plants as simples and just and learning uh, about them individually instead of trying to memorize, you know, all different formulas. I think to start out and for the home herbalist, it is so much more approachable to be like, okay, five herbs, I can do that. Like, I don't have to think about, they can be individual. I don't have to think about in what ratio they have to be in a formula and this energetics and that energetics. And I think all of that is fine, but it just, it takes it out of the hands of the individual person and you become dependent on, on an herbalist who's telling you, well, this is, you know, the formula for you. And I mean, maybe for, that's not necessarily horrible, but for me, like that's not where I'm working or going with things. It's not people's medicine. You know, Bridget, early on, at the beginning of the show, when I said you were going to be on the show, I said that you have such a, a breadth and a depth of knowledge that there was no way I was going to be able to fit it into a 30-minute interview. And lo and behold, we have talked away our just about all of our 30 minutes here. Please let the listeners know the best way to get in touch with you. Uh, Soledago Herb School. Uh, you can do, find that on my website, www.soledagoherbschool.com. Soledago is solid ago, S-O-L-I-D-A-G-O. 
um, Soledago Herb School on Instagram, Facebook. You can email me, Soledago Herb School at gmail.com. So as long as you remember Soledago Herb School, that is my tag. You can find me. And I would love to hear from you. Beautiful goldenrod. You can remember Soledago. I love that. Solid. Solid. Solid Solid ago. Yeah. Well, to Solid make ago. whole, right? I think right. that's the Latin. Right. It stems to make whole, and that's one of the reasons why I named the school that. Um, uh, and I, I was thinking for people who are interested in Nourish Yourself and sign up, um, and you tell me you heard heard me on this podcast, I'll send you a free zine uh, that's attached to the course that normally I don't send out to people as a special gift. Oh, thank you, Bridget. As we come to the last minute of the show, I'd like to ask what it is that you would like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone listening. Oh, start simple. Start with nourishing health and take it from there. That's really the foundations of health are with the nourishing herbs. Bridget Doherty, a wonderful, wise woman, herbalist, Take a look at what she's offering and learn how to nourish yourself. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you for helping us put herbal medicine back in the hands of the people. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for being here. I really, really honor and appreciate your commitment to this show and to me and to the wise woman tradition. Green blessings, everybody, and green blessings, Justine. Love you so. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. Green blessing. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 